This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 110. And in tonight's show, a new Chromebook app hub, what the world can teach us about EdTech, AR, and VR in the K-12 classroom, and we break down 30 must-dos for EdTech administrators. Joining me on the show, Google Certified Educator, my co-host, and I think an EdTech Administrator, Christy Warren. Christy, welcome back. Hey, Ricky. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm excited because this will represent our third straight week of podcasting. We appear to be on a roll. God damn. Episode 110. Can you believe that? I really, really can't. I, 150. I couldn't believe 100. Yeah. I I don't know. I guess we're heading to 200. So let's just keep on, let's keep on the train and keep it going. Let's do it. All right. Well, before we do get into the show, I did want to reach out to a listener who probably feels a bit neglected at this point. David, I know you sent the interview a long time ago, and I'm finally going to be airing parts of it in tonight's show. And we won't have a lowdown segment tonight, but after the show, we'll be playing parts of an interview that David recorded for us and sent to us. He recorded another colleague of his, another teacher. Um, and this is going to be the first listener-generated content we've aired on the show. And I'm really excited about the possibilities of future content from our listeners. Wow, that's really cool, Ricky, that people are doing that and contributing to the show in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's I like, you know, we reflect when we say 110 episodes and it's pretty cool that this little show started that I started connecting me with you and uh, many others now. And I'm hoping that we can just continue to build this community even more. But let's get started, Christy, as we always do with that EdTech News Rundown. We begin with an article on GovTech.com that gives 30 must do's for district EdTech administrators. Kip Bentley, a veteran administrator, shares his thoughts on keys to success, and he does it in a numerical list, so my longtime fans of the show will know that I had no choice, but I had to feature this one, and many of these platitudinous, ooh, I really wanted to use that word, I'm sorry, I was checking to make sure I was spelling platitude correctly and came across the adjective version of the word, I know I'm a nerd. Anyway, even platitudes can be useful if you can get through the eye rolling when you hear them. So we'll talk about these more in our breakdown segment. Platitudinous. I'm not sure I knew that word before now. So I mean, listen, learn something new. You see that word, you got to use it. That's how I feel anyway. Totally. <laughs> All right. I look forward to talking more about those 30 must do's uh, later in the show. Our next story is from EdTech Magazine, and it gives us three exciting ways to use augmented and virtual reality in the classroom. As AR and VR tools become even more accessible, it is important to use them in ways that make an impact for students. They suggest using VR to take K through 12 students on field trips, using AR to drive home coding concepts, and letting students start creating VR content from local places, which will then allow other students to experience using VR. The possibilities of this technology are really exciting. What do you think about this, Ricky? Listen, I just want the Oasis to happen ASAP. I mean, if you haven't read or seen Ready Player One, you should. But I'm equally excited and scared for the possibilities of what AR and VR will bring us. Like, I just don't want to see all of us turn into vegetables who just put on VR goggles and never experience the real world anymore. But I do love the idea of the Oasis. And you know what? That's the second Ready Player One reference I've heard in one day today. Um, the other had to do with container farming. If you don't know what that is, maybe look that up and check it out. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. I mean, it's a fascinating read. I suggest read it. If you are any, if you were around in the '80s and you know any of that culture, I would say it's a must read if you haven't already. Yeah, 
Definitely. All right, an Ed Surge article tells us that the world, what the world can teach us about educational technology. A lot of this info comes down to the fact that other countries are much smaller and therefore can streamline the process more efficiently, but it doesn't mean the U.S. can't learn something from them. Unsurprisingly, the U.S. has a problem of how disconnected ed tech resources and information about those resources are. Smaller governments like Chile have a much more centralized ed tech ecosystem. Now, as ed tech continues to evolve, I got a feeling this problem's only going to get worse here in the United States unless we can somehow find a consensus on ed tech tools, how to centralize them a little bit more, and how to actually prove whether or not they are worthy of our time. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I don't know. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the innovation and the amount of choices that we have? You know, just paring things down for, you know, what are the best resources for our teachers to use at times can be overwhelming because we have a lot of choices. Yeah, I feel overwhelmed even in my small little world of ed tech when it comes to my job. So, you know, the bigger picture of all students and elementary and K, I mean, the whole, it just, it, yeah, it definitely can take your breath away when you think about just how large and how cumbersome it all is. Yeah. Our final story, EdTech Magazine tells us of a new tool for the Chromebook. It's called the Chromebook App Hub, and the hope is that it will make finding and integrating K-12 classroom apps easier. The Chromebook App Hub will let users filter applications by grade level and content area, see peer, peer reviews, and comment for apps, and follow links to lesson plans that incorporate those specific apps. This could be a game changer for anyone who has Chromebooks, uh, so make sure you check this one out if you do. I love that they relied heavily on educators' feedback to create this platform and that they integrated lesson plans. Yeah, I feel like we're becoming a Google-sponsored show. I mean, but I guess this is really cool, even if it is Google. I kid. I I really do love the concept. Um, Even if this is ultimately just to get more lifetime Google users, I think if it helps students and teachers, I'm good with it. And, you know, no matter who the company is, if they're making tools to help teachers and students be successful, I'm on board. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have Chromebooks in our elementary schools, and everyone uses Chromebook at our high, or at Chrome and our high schools. So I want to look into this. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's break down our first article of the show, the 30 must-dos for district ed tech administrators. I have to admit, admit, excuse me, that as much as I love numbered lists, I cringe a little bit as I read this list. Um, I do believe these things are important, but this list is so cliche. Christy, I'll put the pressure on you since you're in a district administrator. Which of these do you like the most or think are most important or... I don't know, whatever you're, I just want to hear your take on these. Well, first, I have a little eye roll here um, over the the internets here about 30. Um, Just, I guess, feeling like, how do we do 30 things and do them well? You know, I don't think that's possible. So, you know, what are the most um, important ones here? You know, scrolling through them, you know, build relationships. I would say it all comes down to that, you know, if building those relationships. We can do everything we want with tech, but if no one's using it, it really does no good. Um, Spend time in schools. Obviously, if we don't see it in the classrooms or um, we don't know what's going on, we're disconnected. So that's really important, I think, for district administrators. Um, Let's see, what else? Well, let me me just read a couple of these because, (laughs) again, I'm not saying that these things aren't important, but I think just the way that they're presented is interesting. So we have Build bridges, not fences. Listen more, talk less. Plant seeds, persevere, build a strong team, play to your strengths. Okay, it's not that these things aren't important. They are. They're very important. They all are very important. But if you're like me, 
and I assume at least a few weirdos out there are like me, it just gets you like in a mood where you don't even want to you don't even want to deal with this because it's a little too like hip hip hooray yeah hooray you can do this. I still think they're valid, and I still think it's important, and that's why I have them as our breakdown segment because I think a lot of these things are important for you to look at, but it's just the way that they're presented here that kind of makes me cringe. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, I think we could go through a checklist, and out of that 30, I wonder how much we could all tick off for ourselves. And, like, are we at 25 out of 30? Or are we at 15 out of 30? And I wonder what the people we work with would say we're at. Yeah, I think the one that scares me the most is is number one, be dependable, <laughs> especially as I found myself not being very dependable for our listeners, uh, missing a few weeks of the show. But I do think that as an administrator, you can lose a lot of goodwill uh, and support if you too often are promising things, you're not being dependable, you're not following through on them. I mean, we all like somebody who is a cheerleader in some aspects, right? So some of these things are great. But I think if you are, if you're just saying the words, if you're just acting like those things are important, but you're not living a lot of those, I think that's where the problems come in. And I feel like probably most ed tech leaders, administrators, or whatever it may be, do a lot of these things. Like that's part of what you do to be successful. I think if we're, if we get down to it, but it may be something that you look at just to remind you that, Hey, some of these things are important and you do need to think of them from time to time to maybe refocus if you're losing some of some in some lose I don't want to say you're losing ground, but if you're if you're not really doing the best in some of those little areas, maybe it gives you a chance to refocus. Yeah, and as I scroll through the list of 30, I'm not sure any one of those would only apply to an ed tech administrator. Any administrator, I think, would would fall into those 30. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of just any in almost any person, you could almost break it down and be like, <laughs> just being a good human being, you probably could look at these things too. So, but I do think because this is somebody who was a former or longtime ed tech administrator, and these are the things I think important. I think it's worth sharing and worth talking about. And I tried to put my snarkiness aside because at face value, it definitely makes me cringe. But hopefully you can get some things from this, and maybe it will help you refocus in a way that's good. Sure, and I see that is by Kip Bentley. And so if Kip Bentley wants to join us on our show, I'd love to hear his take on this. Oh, no. I, now that you say that, I feel bad because I feel like I've been mean to Kip. I wasn't trying to be mean. But anyway, I, I don't really think spending any more time on this is going to be worth our listeners' time at this point. Because, again, if you want to check it out, feel free to check it out. And you can do that on edtechweeklyshow.com. Or you can use that whole search engine thing again. And if you want to follow the show on social media, look for EdTech Weekly Show, but no W at the end, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And feel free to follow me at 4TechTeachers, the number 4TechTeachers on Twitter. And you can follow me at Christy M. Warren. And remember, our show is available wherever you listen to your podcast. And now it is also available on Spotify. So if you also listen to iTunes, please give us a review. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's about it for this platitudinous show. I couldn't resist. We'll see you next time on Ed Tech Weekly. Platitudinous. Nice. Platitudinous. Hey, I'm using that word a lot this week, I promise. <laughs> At least five times. What's your name and what do you teach? My name is Carol Rufflar and I teach third grade. How long have you been teaching third grade? Four or five years.
What technology is currently in your classroom? We have desktop computers, we have Chromebooks, MacBooks, and iPads. I like the iPads and the MacBooks because I can. I've had kids make movies with them in the past, whereas I don't have. It's a little harder with the Chromebooks. How does technology get used on a daily or weekly basis in your classroom? This is my first year using Google Classroom, and I assign articles to the students to read. They have to share what they've learned in the article. So they're practicing reading articles on the computer and typing in some um, responses and their ideas about the articles, about what they've read. Prompted you to start doing that. Looking at MCAS scores last year, realizing kids were having trouble coming up with a constructing, you know, constructing a response to an article they read or a story they read. And we do do it in our regular writing and reading curriculum, but it's, this gives it a little extra practice, hopefully. And so and it's a very good skill to be able to, to be able to use your computer and type, type in a response. And it's also good to be able to go into it go back into a text and find your answers. More practice is needed. This is also the first year they'll be taking MCAS on a computer. Yes, yes. So we started typing right away this year to get Mm -hmm. them ready. What's a project you've worked on with students that you felt was successful that incorporated technology in some way? Just a tool or a project you're Well, I have had a couple. Um, In the past, I mentioned that the kids have made movies during Genius Hour, they get to research or learn about anything that drives their passion. And the, some of my students a few years ago made movies about how to make a movie. And it was quite, you know, it was fun. I mean, they had to write the script. First, they do their writing the script, but then they use the computers to film themselves, giving the instructions, and, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and then this year, we're doing a Piper project which is their kids are building a computer and then they are going to be programming it by following the instructions that are already programmed and it's, and it's um, Minecraft. So it's yeah. uh, and that's always popular with the kids. And another thing I've done in the past and I haven't done this year yet is uh, a Legos robotic, which the kids follow the instructions for building the different parts of the Legos and then they pro- program the computer plug it into the computer and program it to get it to move. That's always fun. What have you liked about that project in the past? The Lego one? Yeah. I like that it touches on a lot of different... Um, you can pair a, a child with who's really good at building Legos with somebody who maybe who's really good, better at working the computer, mm-hmm. and you have a successful... Uh, it touches on a lot of different skills that you don't usually get to touch on in a paper and pencil education way. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much.